This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 128 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Maisie Eddings all about neurodiversity in fiction. So you are going to notice a difference in my audio today because I am still without internet. So I am recording from the co-working space uh, in kind of one of these semi-soundproof audio, not audio, (laughs) meeting booths. So you are going to hear some ambiance in the background and potentially uh, some doors closing and uh, people, I don't know, meeting, working, doing all that good stuff. So I apologise for that this week, but uh, next week I am due to have my internet put back in on Monday. So I should be back in the uh, normal, well, you know, occasionally kid-infested office uh, and workspace where I normally record. So bear with me this week. So as I said, I am talking to Maisie Eddings today um, and we're going to be talking all about neurodiversity in fiction and I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It was fascinating to get her perspective um, and I hope that you find it useful and interesting. But first to last week's question, which was how comfortable are you with writing sex scenes? Now because of how we are uh, recording, the days that we are recording and scheduling, so I record now on Thursdays and these, um, the question and the old episode goes up on Wednesday, so it's not giving people a huge amount of time to respond, which I think is one of the reasons for um, the lower uh, sort of number of comments. Um, however, we, I ran a poll this week on Instagram Uh, asking if you liked um, writing sex scenes and um, the so interestingly it is uh, 52% of you do not so we've had like 29 30 responses something like that and um, uh, 52% said no and 48% said yes very interesting to me and you know this is not this number of responses is not statistically significant but um for the males who had responded all of them said no um and so anyone who had said yes was female um or or non-binary um so i thought that was very interesting i don't know what that says i don't have any data <laughs> like any statistical data but i did think that was interesting um so yes thank you to everybody who voted uh i might actually because we do a poll every week i might share these every week now actually just to see uh just to share some of the results um that you guys are are voting on so this week's question is how comfortable are you with uh, writing about difference so what i mean by that is is a character who is different to you in any way that you would like maybe it's their race or maybe it's it's their mental health status or maybe it's their sexuality um but how comfortable are you writing about difference book recommendation this week is a graphic novel it's a sapphic one um it's young adult and it's called girl from the sea by molly knox ostertag i have probably butchered that surname so i apologize but the links will be in the show notes um i read this in one sitting i thought it was so 
cute. It was so lovely. It was really warming. It was kind of like a bittersweet um, ending, but it was, oh, it was just so sweet and lovely. And I loved the characters and I loved the drawings and I loved the moral of the story. And yeah, I just thought it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, definitely one that you can consume in, in one sitting. So yeah. Okay, so in personal update and news this week, um, I've been struggling, I'll be honest. Like, I've been struggling for a little while. Um, so obviously I have finished uh, Trey and Sirens. The, Trey is with the editor, Sirens is, um, I'm just, uh, I, in fact, one of the proofs should be arriving today, so that one is already. Um, and it's been really hard to start the next thing. So I've sort of had a couple of full starts. I have been because I want to do a course, I want to do my next non-fiction book and I want to do my next fiction book and having three on the go is tricky and not really conducive to getting any of them done uh, but I also don't like prioritising so <laughs> it's been really hard for me because I want to deliver all of them. Um, that said, I have now booked a coaching session on Monday um, and I am hoping that I should sort of have a shift in my mindset after that and be able to bring the decision hammer down um oh there we go someone's making coffee <laughs> in the background it's the ambulance darling i hope you enjoy it uh, so as this airs it will be wednesday the 9th of march which is the day before my birthday yay happy birthday me so in uh, in order to celebrate that i am giving a flash sale i'm going to be 35 on the 10th of march and so uh, i am giving you all 35 percent off uh, my books, my courses, um, and you, that's if you buy direct, that's not um, on the stores. So if you want a book or a course, then you can get 35% off this week. And you can get that by using the code BIRTHDAY35. And I will put links in the show notes to both my um, webshop and to my course webshop as well. Um, okay, what else? I think that's probably it. Um, yeah, until... I mean, so here's the other thing. I'm in this difficult spot because a lot of the stuff that I need to do requires input and I'm a bitch and I very rarely give myself the time <laughs> to do the input and the planning. Um, so I think I told you all that I reworked the outline for The Scent of Death, but like I haven't done it in enough detail. So when I came to work on it this week... I froze up because I hadn't really given myself the headspace to start working on that and I didn't have enough detail in the new outline so I really I think I need a week off well not a week off but a week see this is the thing I can't even bring myself to think of that kind of work as work which is so annoying I don't know what's wrong with me um but I need to have a week where I give myself like no work no meetings so that I can one read all of the books that I need to input for the course and the non-fiction book and then also uh, give myself the headspace to do more detail on the on the new outline um yes so I think that is probably it oh the rebel author diaries is also on pre-order now um it's on pre-order everywhere except amazon because uh, as i mentioned before um amazon 
doesn't allow pre-orders through aggregates and we are going through draft to digital because draft to digital will handle all of the payment splitting options for the anthology and if you follow me on instagram by the time this airs we should almost be through the author reveals we should have revealed i think nine or ten authors by the time uh, this airs so do head on over to uh, my instagram at sasha black author where you can see all of um, the authors in the anthology their stories their favorite line from the story a little bit about them uh, and all of that good stuff we're going to be running an Instagram challenge using the hashtag rebel diaries uh, and we will be sharing the grid and all of the prompts for that so do come and join in uh, it should be fun should be cheeky uh, and there'll be lots of yeah silly fun things on Instagram and uh, I'll also be running some live events uh, in the Facebook group rebel authors and uh, so those will be one will be on the launch day which is the 30th of March and then there should be two others and we're just finalizing the dates uh, for those lives but come and join the Facebook group if you're not already in there because um, you'll get all the updates in there okay that really is it from me uh, I am going to do the rebel of the week okay so the rebel of the week this week is Jeff Jeff says I have what some might consider a reverse rebellion in 2010 I retired early after working for 20 years in high-tech for two big companies. I spent 11 years exploring my other interests and started writing a few years ago. I have produced a peck of partial projects, co-written half of a sci-fi trilogy, um, most of a piece of historical fiction set in the recovery of the Black Death, and half a dozen... Um, other projects I started but struggled to land. Along the way, I have learned how to get my anxiety and depression under control, therapy, meds, and exercise for the win, and discovered that I get the most satisfaction working in teams. I just did my Clifton Strengths, and four of the five are in the strategic thinking domain. So now I am going back to, uh, to work at one of the big companies. Oh, interesting i used to work uh, for but with uh, new tools and perspectives uh, and writing as a creative outlet we are each on our own journey oh i find that so fascinating i love that reverse rebellion um yeah look and this is the thing right we you're so right jeff we each and uh, each one of us has our own journey and writing full-time is not the goal for everyone and that's okay like writing full-time or even being self-employed full-time, regardless of the what's of the type of business that you run, is not for everyone. There is a reason why less than 25% of the UK are self-employed, right? That means 75% of people um, aren't aren't the right sort of people to work self-employed because either it, it's too much pressure or they don't enjoy it they need teams or people um or you know like a, a host of other different reasons why you may or may not be suited to self-employment and there's nothing to stop anybody being self-employed and employed i was that for a long time um and yeah so like we all have to follow our own journeys and whatever your journey is it is valid it is right as long as it is making you happy that is the most important thing we are on this planet for such a short time we might as well be happy whilst we are here so um if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story i did check this morning we only have a few um so i always appreciate when you do send in those rebel stories it can be any kind of rebellion big small or something in between you can rebel uh, you can rebel your story too you can email your rebel story to becca on uh, the email address rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com 
thank you and welcome to Lisa Fioresi. Um, I am very grateful for you joining me on Patreon. Uh, and if anybody else would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as a raft of bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I am deeply grateful to all of my patrons. Um, you guys, you're amazing. I love the community that we've built. Uh, we did have to postpone the uh, bittersweet Tating Game Masterclass. However, as this episode airs, we will be doing it this evening. Uh, so we're doing that on the 9th of March now because uh, I had nowhere to do it uh, without the internet. So yes thank you and uh, yeah there are always other bits and bobs that get uh, revealed or, or sent to you guys in patrons so please do come and join me it really does mean a lot and also it helps to keep the show running too just to let you guys know as you know I've had no internet for ooh, almost three weeks now uh, by the time we get it on Monday it will be three weeks and so that has meant that I have had to record podcasts in unusual locations one of which is my mum's office uh, where she doesn't have carpet and uh, doesn't have a wall of paper books to muffle the audio so I am afraid that at least four episodes over the next couple of months will have a slightly tinny audio I can't really do anything about that however the episodes are jam-packed full of great tips and advice so I hope you will bear with me I hope you'll stay listening uh, because come Monday all of the episodes going forward will be back to normal so yes this is one of those episodes obviously <laughs> that's why I'm mentioning it uh, so yeah all right, I think that is enough waffling from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by Maisie Eddings. Maisie is a neurodiverse author, dentist, and most importantly, stage mum to her cats, Yaya and Zadie. She can most often be found reading romance novels under her weighted blanket and asking her boyfriend to bring her snacks. She's made it her personal mission in life to destigmatize mental health issues and write love stories for every brain, which I love. With roots in Ohio and North Carolina, she now calls Philadelphia home. Hello and welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> you are most welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Would you like to start by telling everyone a little bit about you and kind of how you got to where you are today? What is your journey? Yeah, um, I mean, you covered a lot of it in the bio, but um, I am... Like you said, I'm a dentist and an author. Um, my debut novel, A Brush With Love, comes out uh, March 1st of this year. Um, so I guess four days from now. Um, but yeah, I've so I kind of um, stumbled my way into, um, sorry, my cat's just jumping in here. Um, I stumbled my way into writing. Um, it's always something that I loved doing and it was always just like a huge passion of mine, but I never kind of had the belief or confidence that I could make um, a living out of it or like, you know, even that I was good enough to like pursue something like that. Um, and so, you know, kind of as one does, I, I pursued a different path from what I actually wanted. And, um, and I studied, you know, sciences in, um, in college. And then I ended up going into dental school um, to be a dentist. And then during my first year, I had a really big quarter life crisis. Um, I almost said midlife crisis. So like fingers crossed, that's not the case. <laughs> 
this, but um, yeah, I, I had a quarter life crisis and I was just like, is this, is this what I want out of life? I was really stressed. I was like the most anxious and depressed I've, I've ever been. Um, and I really turned to um, first reading romance novels. I was reading like a book a day because I had such bad insomnia and it was such a balm. And then I got these idea, these characters popped into my head and they just wouldn't shut up. Um, and it ended up being the first book that I finished. Like I had so many started drafts of books, um, but this was the first one that I fully finished and, and I just decided to take a leap of faith and pursue it. Um, yeah. And now I do both full time, um, which is a lot, but I'm very grateful for, for it and loving every second. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I love it. I, I love hearing like how different. I don't think I've heard two authors with the same like journey um, to, to authordom, if you like. Um, okay, so we're going to dive into detail about your book, which I got to read and I loved. Um, but would you like to take a minute to tell everyone a little bit more about your book before we start? Yeah, it's a contemporary romantic comedy um, that follows Harper and Dan, who are two um, dental students, and they trade fillings for feelings. But um, <laughs> I love it. I love um, a bit of cheeky wordplay. <laughs> so dorky. Um, as they they navigate the um, kind of like the the emotions and confusion that come with being an adult and not really sure what that means. Um, it's, it's a romance and they, you know, they have a romantic journey together, but I think the book also really highlights um, learning to, to love yourself and who you are. Um, the main character, Harper, has an anxiety disorder and at the start of the novel, she has like a lot of internalized ableism around that and like just a lot of kind of shame and things um, that she eventually starts to overcome through the book. Um, and yeah, it's, it's about like learning to open yourself up to being loved, learning to love yourself where, where you're at in your journey. Um, and then also just kind of pursuing life passions and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that was like the representation in it. Um, I absolutely loved. So I, um, although I don't like, I'm not on meds, I have various <laughs> varying degrees of anxiety and mm -hmm. I went like when I was at university and I was really stressed I like collapsed and was like rushed to hospital because I had like an irregular heartbeat and just because it was literally I, I I forget now if it was panic attacks or like anxiety attacks or whatever it was but like it was a you know it's a problem and still now like I get occasionally like breathing issues just where like stress because yeah. this world this world is so stressful. I know I, I was like right? oh I wonder why like yeah the world running a business <laughs> Hell, <but> like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you but, know um, but yeah but I loved it and I loved the representation and so like I'm gonna ask you a few questions about that but before we go into kind of the mental health side and, and representing and writing that, I wanted to ask, because um, like even before I'd read your bio, like I read the book and then I came to like research you and um, I figured that you had to be a dentist because there was, it was so realistic. Like the detail in the book was so realistic. I was like, there's no fucking way this girl is not a dentist. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> you don't put that, you like, well, I have never, and look, this is clearly my uh, subconscious bias, assuming dentists don't want to, to write books. But the question I'm trying to get to is, um, how did you find that balance? Because there is a balance between like, realism and like fictional worlds and not adding too much information that it becomes information dumping about a specialist topic but also making it feel rich and vivid and full of depth so like yeah talk to me about that 
You know, okay. So I wrote this when I was in my first year. So in a lot of ways, like there, there was a lot of stuff that I still didn't know. Right. Like (laughs) as I was, it's funny because like, as I was going through certain like modules and lessons, um, it ended up being reflected in the book a little bit. Like there's this part, like a sexy part about anatomy and muscles and stuff. And I ended up like, it was almost like a study guide. Like I was like, okay, how can I make this interesting enough that like I'll remember it and then also put it into this romance novel. Um, So did you have to make the molds as well? Oh my God, (laughs) dude, I cannot even tell you what a nightmare, like if you want to know what purgatory is, <laughs> it's a, it's a dental school on the day that you learn to take impressions. Like it is everybody. It is the most like sensory overload, chaotic thing. Like it's awful. <laughs> um, yeah. So like all of that is very, and, and I wasn't exaggerating either when like I was saying that puke is like a huge occupational hazard for what we do. Um, but yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I was almost sick of being in dental school, like your world becomes really small. Um, and so it becomes the size of somebody's mouth. Like you live, breathe, eat teeth, not eat teeth, but, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you, yeah, you're, it's like kind of all that you're thinking about and studying and all of this. And so I kind of wanted to pivot or get an escape, but I also thought there was something fun about playing with this world and something like really cathartic, um, having these characters be in the, in this dental world and, and kind of winning, right. Cause like I was at having low points. And so I was watching them really win. And so when it came to like figuring out what to keep in there, dentistry is not sexy. Everybody kind of hates the dentist. And like, I recognize this and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do justice to the career and like, try to make it a little bit interesting. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I also like wanted to be respectful to people that have dental phobia and everything and like not make it too, too much. Um, because I think that's like a super valid, like I totally understand why people experience that. And so I wanted to make it accessible as best as possible. And so, yeah, it was more just like anything I found interesting in school, I added in there and then everything else was like, well, Well, I think you nailed the balance because it was like just enough that I was like, oh, this is an interesting fact that I can store and input for later. And like, you know, like when you have those general knowledge pub quizzes or whatever, (laughs) you can be like, oh, well, I know exactly how that, yeah, like that's what it kind of felt like. It was like just the right amount of uh, detail. Okay. So I wanted to talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. Let's say an author is a new author and they they would like to approach writing their story and and include an aspect of like mental health what how do they approach that what should they take into account what do they need to keep in mind like in order to be both respectful but also representative and inclusive and yeah all of that good stuff yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's such a fine balance with it. Um, I, I wrote about mental health from my own experiences. Like I, I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder when I was 12. I've been on medication for pretty much just as long. Like I'm autistic. I have ADHD, like it just all kinds of fun stuff rattling up around in there. And so a lot of, um, a lot of like Harper's experience and like her, her manifestations of anxiety, um, were, similar to what I have experienced in my own like battles with anxiety and mental health. Um, But I think for somebody that's looking to approach it, 
One thing that I advocate for is I, I don't like seeing people kind of fall into like the almost like trauma porn trap, right? Where it's like the whole crux of a person's being revolves around their mental illness, because that does a disservice um, to people that experience it. Like, you know, it's, it's a facet um, of like who I am, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I, I'm an artist, I'm a runner, like there's different components to a person and a mental illness is never just the crux of somebody's being. Um, and so I think that's really important. And so also it's, it's okay to like tap into your own experiences. So if, if you are somebody that's suffered from a mental health issue or something like tapping into your lived experience is a beautiful like wealth of information to approach a story. Um, and if you haven't experienced that, I think it's super like, it's very, very crucial to speak with somebody that has experienced it. So you can understand and, and multiple people too. So you can get a grasp of, of how, how it plays a role in somebody's life instead of just like putting kind of societal assumptions into mm -hmm. a character when, when diving into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other important thing is that like, you can be with five people who all have mm. panic disorder or anxiety disorders and each of them, it will appear and manifest differently. So mm -hmm. like one person's, yeah, yeah, one, one person's illness is not the same as, as like another person's illness. Um, and yeah, I completely agree about the not letting it be the thing or like mm -hmm. the whole aspect, like as a queer woman, it drives me nuts when mm -hmm. like, the character is made to be queer and that yeah. is like the everything about them I'm like guys I know no. like this I'm, I'm queer too and like yeah. when I see that I'm just like this isn't the point like yeah <laughs> exactly exactly let us have joy please <laughs> exactly um and the other thing that drives me fucking bananas it this one literally <laughs> drives me wild so much so that there's a whole chapter in one of my um writing craft books on it is when people give villains a mental health disorder and they mm. make the mental health disorder the cause for the bad behavior and I'm like oh my god shall we just discriminate against everybody right now shall we it's so um, list. yeah <laughs> isn't it isn't it just yeah. like um yeah I that that is <laughs> like the bane for me that is the worst yeah. kind of villain um so and the worst kind of writing because it's just yes. not true mm -hmm. it's yeah like yeah. you say okay. ableist and all of the rest of it so right I'm gonna get off my soapbox now um no I love it <laughs> <laughs> um okay so how can an author research a mental health issue like effectively are there like what are the different elements like meds or symptoms or, like what what kind of stuff should somebody be Google, not googling but you know like mm -hmm. going to a mental health clinic or, or asking people or like yeah what are the different things they need to take into account I think so I think it's important that you have to feel if you're going to talk about the subject in your work you have to feel comfortable discussing it with people in real life that either experience it or if you experience it you know having people that you can have a dialogue with I think that's really important um and okay this is kind of like a weird I think this is weird and I don't know if it's going to be controversial, but like, I find that Reddit is actually a huge resource to look at people's experiences. Um, I know it's like not reliable. It's obviously not like, you know, a meta analysis or anything like that, but there's like, you know, huge forums where people collectively who are having different experiences with anxiety or depression, like can talk about what they're going through. And it's kind of, you know, there are these little safe 
bubbles on the internet where people can like discuss their experiences with it and then also talk about things that might help or you know didn't work for them and everything and it's kind of just like a very um raw and like unfiltered place to look for that and obviously it's not like the end all be all and that's why it's kind of like you know a weird answer but I do think that that's a great place to like you know get get a sense of like what people might be experiencing but then on you know the flip side I think it's absolutely crucial to have kind of a fundamental understanding of of the science behind why um, people experience the symptoms that they do, like why why anxiety attacks are triggered or, um, you know, what depression physically manifests as, because we so often just think of them as like just a state of being in your brain, but there is just a full body experience with what's going on. yeah, due diligence, I just think is super important um, in your research too. And, and looking broadly as well. And, and like you touched on ex- or looking at other people's experiences too, and, and, and understanding that. Yeah. So my, my sort of educational background is in psychology. Mm. So I have a degree and a master's in psychology and this oh. is like, yeah, I love this topic of conversation. Mm. I like, it's like my wheelhouse and I get geeky about it. Mm. Um, and like one of the other things that I think is really um, important that people take into account is that we don't always suffer with all of the symptoms all of the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like that is a common mistake that I think people yeah make um but yeah just like some of the other things are like symptoms um medications um and treatments like because mm-hmm. not all of, of like it's not always about drugs it's not always about not drugs it's not always about mm-hmm. you know so there are so many different things so like yeah uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I think it's like looking holistically too at people and like understanding that yeah like you're saying like some things will work for for certain people but you you can't go into the with this preconceived notion of like this is what you know an anxious person is or this is what a bipolar person is like you have to have you have to understand that there's like a human and there's nuance to it in in everything and I love what you said about what can trigger an anxiety attack or Mm. panic attack because it's not like sometimes it can be really random or like nowhere or like sometimes you just you just you just don't know like and yeah yeah. anyway okay um so how can authors make the representation of mental health realistic um you had some really gorgeous visceral like and vivid descriptions about what anxiety does to the body so I wanted to like talk about this and like Mm -hmm. if you've got any tips for writers about how to do that how to do it realistically um yeah like craft tips kind of there as well yeah um it was really important when I was writing it um I think like a, a huge part of me wanted um maybe to feel feel seen um in in my like physical feelings with anxiety and stuff like that, because it can be so like, it can be so physically painful. Um, but outwardly people don't maybe recognize that anything's happening. Um, and so I think I kind of wanted to honor that experience too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it was just really important to like tap into my body and be mindful. And it was almost scary at times because it was like, you know, it forced me to look at like, what is actually happening to me when I experience this, this panic or this anxiety, um, you know, like where, where am I feeling the painful spots or like what, you know, what's my stomach doing? What's my heart doing? Um, because I wanted to put it into words for people that might not have experienced that, but can like relate to other, you know, other 
um, manifestations of it that they've experienced in some other way. Um, yeah. And so I, I do think like, I, I think when looking at, um, when looking at like mental health and mental illness and like how people experience that, um, it's important to tap into all five senses too, because again, like it's easy to get caught up in thinking it's just like this, this state of mind or like, you know, this, you know, depression's like a blue cloud or something like that, but you know, everything is affected. Your, your hearing's affected. Like even the words that you hear people saying like are morphed, right? Because like you kind of, your brain like kind of twists it a little bit and like, um, you know, when, when you're anxious, your bones might hurt and things like that. And so, um, I think just looking at it, for, like I said, from just, um, all five senses, like almost, um, a sensory experience when putting it on the page can make it more, um, accessible to people that haven't necessarily experienced that exact situation. Mm. Have you, um, ever heard of the emotion thesaurus by Angela Ackerman and Becca Pugliese. Yes, I love what you were saying kind of reminded me um, a little bit of like um, yeah of 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 their book I I love they've been on the show as well actually in fact both of them have been on separately Um, but uh, yeah I love their thesaurus because it has those visceral and internal kind of um like descriptions and like ideas and stuff for for different feelings and emotions and not necessarily like mental health disorders but I think you mm-hmm. can get ideas from the book mm-hmm. like you can take some of those visceral word descriptions and kind of yeah. play off of them and 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 yeah like use yeah. them so yeah if, you, if listeners don't have a copy of that book highly recommend it oh it's amazing it yeah I like I whip that bad boy out all the time <laughs> me too me too <laughs> yeah um what mistakes do you see people making when writing about mental health I think like you know not to be a broken record but the big thing is just call it kind of falling into ableist traps or just kind of you know like these these lazy tropes where it's like um before before you go into that just in case anybody doesn't understand what ableism is oh yeah would, yeah just because I don't yeah I don't know yeah. how di- how versed everybody will be yes sorry sorry um ableism is just kind of well you might even be able to get a better definition than I can but from from my understanding of it it's this um kind of like paradigm or um, set of standards that we have as a society where we view neurotypical people and non-disabled people, um, you know, as like the outline and then everything else outside of that is in a lot of ways, like talked about as less than or as something to feel like shame about. Um, So like, I don't know. Is that, am I, do you feel like I'm getting it with that? Yeah. yeah. It, it is like, you know, it's, it's discrimination against mm-hmm. people who are not fully able-bodied yes. um, in the same way that homophobia is, yeah. you know, discrimination against somebody who's queer or racism is discrimination about a person of color. Um, yeah. And, but it's, I think ableism is really sinister because mm-hmm. it is, one of the lesser talked about issues mm-hmm. I feel I don't know that's my personal feeling that it gets talked about less yeah um and actually like it is no lesser than any of the other uh 
not I was going to say phobias but you know like homophobia racism yeah. you know isms mm-hmm. all, all of all of the rest yeah. of them um it's no less of an issue um yeah. so yeah I just wanted to yeah anyway sorry um, I interrupt you do, I don't do you want me to say the question again <laughs> uh no, no no I can just okay. pick up from there yeah so and like as you were saying like it's it's these um it's these really micro things too that in so many ways exclude um disabled people from from like the rest of society right like it cuts them off and yeah I don't know it's it 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 can be really traumatic to like go through life and like experience that constantly um but when writing about mental health I do feel like it can be you know a common trap to like you said I mean perfect example making your villain um mentally ill and that's the crux of like their evilness right because it's equating mental illness with with being evil um or you know this this concept that that's like the entire reason or like the the driving force of a story I don't think that that's a fair representation of like the fullness um of life that like disabled people experience um and I don't I don't it doesn't do justice to to living with um a mental illness or being neuro um neurodiverse or anything like that um and then just also um being lazy about the representation like you know, as you've mentioned, like just doing a quick Google search and taking the top 10, you know, symptoms of bipolar disorder and having your character exemplify every single one of them at a level 10. You know, it's just like you're just kind of sticking your characters into these stereotypes that that lack the nuance of of actually living the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I suppose my next question which I haven't sent you in advance, but you kind of made me think about it, is like, what do you say to those authors who are afraid to include it? Because I think like we do have this internalized ableism. Even mm-hmm. I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, my stepdad is paralyzed. He's wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. My mom's a carer. My wife has chronic fatigue syndrome and she's also dyslexic and she has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And I have varying shades of anxiety throughout my life and depression. And like, have I written? a mental health character into my books no I don't don't actually think I have and I'm like that is like why is that but then you know I've gone through this journey over the last year to realize that actually I haven't written many of the boxes that I tick you know I'm also a queer woman and I'm now moving into queer fiction like that is where I'm going because I'm like all I have read up until the last year was like straight white middle class actually that's Mm -hmm. not true because I I love uh, reading books written by people of color but um Mm -hmm. you know my dad is black (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just have not done justice to who I am and like that is definitely not just in internalized ableism it's just Mm -hmm. society internalized on Mm -hmm. my brain growing up in a very white middle class environment Mm -hmm. and so I you know we all have to do this work we all have to try and be better and so yeah like I definitely am trying to break down this shit yeah now so that I can write sapphic fiction like mm-hmm. for the rest of this year like that is what I'm gonna mm-hmm. do so yeah like but also like you do have to get over that fear and you have to yeah so what, what do you say to authors who want to write you know different characters um but are afraid I think so and, and I just want to like touch on one thing that you said where I think you said that you haven't like you know you you haven't read as much in like those different genres and stuff, but I think it's because of what so much of society makes most easily accessible to us, right? Like 
books about cis het normative relationships and stuff are are just so front and center in, in what we consume. So and so like this is the crazy thing, right? In my in my sort of market research and like gathering of information and research mm-hmm. for young adult like sapphic books. Mm-hmm. I scoured the market and there I have gathered a list now of about 160 books. That is it. And I can tell you, I have gone everywhere to find books. 160. There were only about 770 (laughs) odd, 800 young adult LGBT books in a market where Amazon, there are over 8 million books and there's like less than a thousand young adult LGBT books. Like what the fuck? Um, you know, like, and this is what I mean. So I completely agree with every yeah. single thing that you just said. And there's the fucking evidence for it. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh my God. Like you're like literally doing like the statistical analysis on it. And like, oh my God, it's just so, it's so fucked up because it's so not reflect reflective of what the world actually is. And oh, then you have, want. yes, truly. And then, you know, and then you have all of these other problems with all of the book banning that's going on here in the U S where it's like, we're banning black stories and queer stories. And it's like, what fucking year is it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and okay, so at this point, I don't remember your original question because okay, <laughs> I'm angry yeah, and I'm filled sorry. with rage. <laughs> um, I think it may have been was it what mistakes do you? See? Yeah, I think it was what mistakes do you see people making like when trying to write mental health? Yeah, that was it, and it was like okay. using the tropes and the stereotypes, like oh, not okay, tropes, okay. sorry, stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. and then we got <laughs> we, we climbed on our soapboxes. <laughs> with but megaphones yeah but seriously I mean it's so it, it oh you asked about rating different characters or like yeah that's what that's what you would the follow-up with that but yeah I think we have we historically oh, people who are afraid that was yes sorry. yeah we got there in yeah. the <laughs> and like it, in a lot of ways it almost makes sense that like people are intimidated to take on these these subjects because so little space has been given to them and so like you know it's valid and stuff but I think that like as as writers it's important to take you know radical steps of bravery and vulnerability and and portray characters that are very very reflective of the world around us, um, of our own lived experiences. And that doesn't mean that you have to write your own story, but you can draw from things that you, you have gone through and make it unique to that character. Um, and I, I just think that like, if you're passionate about a story being told from, from a unique perspective, there's somebody out there that not only wants to read it, but needs to read it because they need to see themselves represented in Mm. literature. Like seeing yourself in a book is such an affirming experience. Like it's just so groundbreaking And, and same with movies or television or other media that we consume. Like it just, it really is a validating thing to, to relate so fully with a character. And so just go for it. <laughs> I, uh, I I can't tell you how much I agree with you because I, like this, so this is what's happened to me over the last year. Like I am a whale reader. I, I don't quite read a book a day, but I read over a hundred books a year. And wow. um, over the last year, like I, for the, not, I mean, more or less for the first time kind of picked up queer fiction um, mm-hmm. and like, I was having all these emotional reactions to reading and I was like, damn, like, 
I haven't felt this like, oh my God, I was like yeah. really shipping the characters and like, yeah. like sobbing at the end yes. of the book or whatever. And I was like, what is with that? Like, I don't feel feelings. And um, yes. like everyone needs to drink because I always say that I'm dead on the inside, whatever. Um, anyway, and um, and then, you know, like I'd go back to reading like my normal stuff and it'd be like, yeah, another book, another book, another book. Yeah. And, like it was a real moment of clarity. Yeah. And, and it was literally that I was represented in those pages and like that was my love or like that was my life or like those were my experiences of homophobia or whatever mm-hmm. and um yeah like I oh god I, like uh, yeah I was kind of smiling and giggling like when you were saying about seeing yourself in a book mm-hmm. because it has been a very long time that I had spent not seeing myself in fiction and yeah I'm you know I'm a bibliophile I'm always going to read but it was a very different experience of reading when all of a sudden I started seeing myself in those pages and like now that is all I can write like I cannot write anything else other than like books about people like me so yeah, yeah I, I just hope I can find a new audience but anyway there's an audience for it I'm one of them I'm in your audience I am there <laughs> um okay writing about mental health or like Mm -hmm. these experiences can be difficult Mm -hmm. so like what advice do you have to authors um you know to sort of look after themselves and like whilst they're writing these difficult scenes you know I wish I wish I had a very like specific and and well thought out answer because this is actually something I've been struggling with um because I think it it can be hard not only when you're right when you're writing you're putting you're putting pieces of yourself no matter how far removed you feel from characters you're still putting pieces of yourself onto a page right so it's like a very um it's emotionally rewarding but it's also emotionally draining it like takes a lot of emotional currency to do that um and then when, you know, writing about your experiences and especially hard times, it, it creates like an extra like battery drainage situation. Um, and, you know, I'm still trying to find balance too. I think it's knowing, giving yourself like grace to, mm. to step back um, from a story when, when it starts to feel too painful, because there's a difference between a story feeling cathartic um, in opening the vein sort of, and like putting your experience on the page. And then there's a point where it's like, it's too much. It's like you're, you're triggering or you're pushing yourself um, to a point where you don't need to go as a writer because you need to, you need to protect your mental health and you need to protect yourself first and foremost. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I wish I had like a very specific and clear answer because it's not it's not an easy thing to recognize and it's very easy to get caught up in your in your work too with that. Um, but yeah, I yeah, just giving yourself space when need be. So sort of looping back to some of the stuff we we mentioned earlier, um, you know, we said that one person's experience of um, say depression is not necessarily identical to somebody else's experience of depression. So how do you um, how do you tell one character's experience of like mental health or trauma or, you know, whatever, you know, anxiety without preaching or kind of suggesting that this is how everyone experiences it? I think, I think you have to be intentional with the way that you write characters. Um, I think that like, there's a way with your prose and like with, with the character's journey and their, their, their growth or like the way they come to know themselves and their, and their brain better throughout the story. Um, 
there's a way to like honor the fact that this is their unique experience. Um, whether it's just like a couple nods to the fact that like, you know, the, the character is like going through this, which, which might not be the norm, but you know, is, is their experience or I think just leaving the door open to other people, um, have, having experiences, like having similar, like having the same, you know, mental illness, but experiencing it in a drastically different way. And I also think having multiple characters that have a neurodiversity or have a mental illness um, kind of makes it richer and allows you to explore that nuance a little bit more. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me. All of my friends are pretty mentally ill. Like we've all, like, you know, we've, we've all connected over our experiences with, with anxiety or depression. My best friends in the world are also autistic like me. And like, so I, you know, I think like, if you have those conversations with the people in your life, you can figure out a way to infuse that um, among your characters too, to, to demonstrate that, that nuance. Okay, right. A complete change of subject now. <laughs> you wrote an amazing sex scene. Uh, what, <laughs> what advice do you have for authors to help them write realistic, emotional, and a little bit raunchy sex scenes? <laughs> oh, I appreciate that so much because that is that is so scary too. You want to talk about vulnerable? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, they're my favorite. They're my favorite I scenes. I love. The I know. Sex I scenes. know. <laughs> like, in in book two, I wrote like a face sitting scene, 25 pages in. Like I was just like, okay, I guess we're gonna go for it with that one. But um, <laughs> no, there's like a lot of giggling, I think. But you just I, first and foremost, I think you have to honor what feels right for for the characters, right? Like if your characters have like a certain personality, and all of a sudden you whip out just like. I don't know, just the most random, obscure, you know, sex scene that you can think of to try to like make it spicy, extra spicy, or, you know, fill like a niche or a trope or something like that. It's not going to work. Like you have to honor what their sexuality and their, um, just kind of their, their sensuality too, um, would experience. And then I also think it's really important when, um, when writing a sex scene is you want to, again, like kind of look at it from a very sensory perspective, like mm. sex is largely a, a sensory experience. And it's also, but it also combines with oftentimes an emotional element. Um, and, and I think that's something you can play with too, if there is the emotion there, or maybe there isn't like you can, you can use that as like almost an exploratory tool too, to, to see how intimacy changes among your characters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think taking it, um, taking it on an emotional level and then also infusing that with like the sensory vibe is super important. And, um, and yeah, you know what, don't be afraid to just go there. Like you can always edit things back. Like go just like balls to the wall like you know get get as much out there as you want because you can edit it back and you probably will because you're going to read it and you're going to be like horrified like oh my god like what was I on that day <laughs> like you know and but but that's kind of what makes it fun and like you just look at it as like look at it as like a private moment with with you and your characters and like just let them do their thing <laughs> 
Yeah, and put on some like kinky music as well. Like that's yeah. one of my. <laughs> so I'm always like, oh yeah, let's do the Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey album. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like if you need to, like if you need to loosen up and and you drink, like pour a glass of wine if that helps. Like whatever helps you. Honestly, you got to get into a sexy state of mind in order to write it. Like if you're not if you're not feeling sexy, like or at least kind of embracing the general idea of it, like it's not gonna it's gonna feel really forced to write and it should be fun you know like if if your characters are having fun with it you should be having fun with it <laughs> exactly exactly and and I hope that sex is fun most of the time so yeah you know. <laughs> yeah or, um yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before I ask you my favorite podcast question, um, can you recommend any books or resources for authors that would like to write about mental health well? Um, I think, so, you know, this this is kind of, so that, that... that's a very broad question. And I think that there's like a lot of um, amazing resources out there um, for like just various mental mental illnesses or neurodiversities. And like my biggest recommendation is if you are going to read a book, whether it's like, um, I don't know, self-help doesn't feel like the right word, but you know, like, I guess kind of that focus or like that lens, um, make sure it's like, supported or kind of vetted by people actually in that community because I think like I, I I saw a book about ADHD recently and it was written by somebody that's definitely not ADHD and like the content in there was just like the most ableist bullshit and it was like this this whole it was like a 200 page long book about how ADHD people are a burden to the not to non-ADHDers and I was just like this is horrifying. Like, because it, you know, it's like how to, how to restrain yourself or like how to make yourself like less gregarious and like all these very stereotypical ideas instead of being like, hey, this is, this is how your brain's wired. This is how it works. Here's how to honor it. Here's how to like make sure that you're living your best self and stuff. Um, so one book that I've read like on ADHD that helped me was, um, queen of distraction I think it's called and that just helped me like understand my wiring and how I can like just useful tips on how I can like better actually like have any executive function because I'm like you know virtually don't really have much um and then I think just reading honestly memoirs of people that have dealt with various mental illnesses is such a rich resource um to look at you know one person um whose writing I really resonated with was um Glennon Doyle and she oh oh, yeah I love 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 Glennon yeah like huge stan Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes and I think that she like her her writing is so accessible even just like her Instagram captions are like so accessible and you know she's talked about alcoholism um you know eating disorders but also anxiety depression like and she writes about it in a way that's just kind of like it, it just like makes my heart sigh in like a way that I feel seen. I don't know. So I, anything by Glennon Doyle, I recommend reading. Um, and then, yeah, I, I would say that's kind of the best jumping off point. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So can you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel? I, okay. I love this question. And I think, you know, honestly, 
when I when I started writing um my my debut not so when I started writing my first book A Brush with Love um that felt very rebellious for me because it was like the first time it was the first thing I had ever done fully and unabashedly for myself like I did it just for the simple pleasure of doing it um every, you know, I, I leaned into tropes. I was like really indulgent with prose and I had so much fun with it. And it felt like it felt subversive. It felt kind of like a rebellious act because I was doing something that I technically shouldn't have been focusing on at the time. Cause I was like, you know, supposed to be studying 80 hours a week and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, that was like this little rebellious action and it doesn't seem like a big thing, you know, in retrospect, maybe, but it, you know, it was the one thing that really kind of helped me find myself and feel very, very fulfilled um, and happy. Like writing has just made me so happy. <laughs> oh, I love that. That uh, it's funny because I, um, uh, I've gone through a period of like closing down projects. So, like I mm-hmm. opened too many books. I opened too many like various things that I promised other people, speaking gigs and blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. then like the last eight months, I've spent like shutting projects down because like, uh, yeah, I just <laughs> went yeah. a bit nuts with opening projects. And um, this past week, I got to go back to the blank page again, and oh, like oh. it is just ecstasy, like getting to write write the words, get in the flow, and like oh. yeah. So like I completely, I I get it. I love I love that rebellion. Can you tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books and like anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, I am. So my website is maisieeddings.com. Um, I don't update it as often as I should, but there is stuff on there. So at least there's that. Um, I'm fairly active on Instagram. My handle's at maisieeddings. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, that one is at foxygrandpa27. Um, which- <laughs> I, I probably should change it at this point. It's probably just going to stick around, but you know, regardless. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I, my books can be purchased wherever books are sold as far as I know. Um, But yeah, that's not it. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a giant thank you to all of the show's patrons and all of the show's listeners. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Maisie Eddings, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Join me next week when... I can't believe I'm saying this, but I get to speak to Jessica Brody all about Save the Cat. I'm sure many of you have already read either Save the Cat, the original uh, screenplay uh, book, or the more recent Save the Cat writes a novel. Uh, Jessica is also working on a new young adult version of Save the Cat as well, so we do dive into a little bit uh, about that as well. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.